Hello and welcome to this episode. Just a quick note to say that uh, myself and some of my guests do tend to get a little potty-mouthed at times. There are a few uh, profanities throughout this episode, so perhaps best if you are with youngsters or in need of listening to this quietly, then suggest finding some headphones or coming back a little bit later on. I hope you enjoy the episode and I look forward to hearing what you thought. Today's sponsors of the podcast are Bamboo Clothing. They're a clothing company who aim to bring environmentally sustainable products to a market of continued fast throwaway fashion. They are working towards a zero carbon footprint by the year 2030, but also aiming to address every impact they have on the planet. From ensuring the entire supply chain they use, from the growers to the seamstresses and seamers, think that must be what they were called, get fair pay and are treated with dignity. All the way to having a zero waste going to landfills, zero pollution and zero wasted water. Bamboo offer both men and women's active wear and casual daily clothes that are so damn soft and comfortable it's not even funny. Currently I'm sitting here wearing a pair of bamboo boxer shorts which are the most comfortable boxer shorts in the world pair of bamboo jeans and one of their jumpers I can honestly say I am comfortable <laughs> literally everything you could ever want clothing wise they basically sell and as someone who has pretty much spent the last 18 months wearing solely bamboo gear I should also say I am wearing bamboo socks I cannot recommend them highly enough if you go to the checkout and use the code WIBS15, you'll get a 15% off your order. They also offer free delivery on orders over £50. And there is a free returns and exchange policy too. So go get some gear. Get it on. Get on your mat. Tag me in your Insta post along with Bamboo. And use the hashtag MyBamKit. So remember, WIBS15 for 15% off. The second sponsor of today's podcast is Mandukya. Mandukya make the Rolls Royce of yoga mats, the Mandukya Pro. I've been using a Pro for the last 13 years now, and I can honestly say I would never want to have another mat. I've tried other friends' mats, but they've never felt as good or as comfortable to be on as the Pro. So like I say, if you're going to buy a mat, I can highly recommend the Mandukya Pro. It's one of the best investments you'll ever make. It will see out just about any other mat you can buy. And that's coming from a yoga teacher of eight years who has seen many a student go through a number of mats in that time before purchasing a Manduka. They do come also with a lifetime guarantee, which is also another big bonus. You can go use the code WIBSYOGA, W-I-B-B-S-Y-O-G-A, to get a 10% discount. This code also gives a 15% of the cut to me as a yoga teacher. So by purchasing a mat or anything else on their website, you can support environmentally friendlier yoga mats and also me at the same time. So remember that's Wibs Yoga for that 10% discount. Now, on to today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Move, Breathe, Live with me, Wibs, Coulson Wibs Yoga. I uh, hope everyone is well. Today's episode is with a <laughs> is with sorry my wife just walked past uh, making a funny face. Um, is with a yoga teacher who I have actually never met, but I have regular conversations with. Her name is Hannah Stewart, um, and much like me, she has been on this little yoga journey of trying to kind of weed out some of the crap from what is traditionally taught and thought in yoga circles and in movement circles really and trying to bring a newer more rounded 21st century understanding of ways that we can move safely ways which we can build strength we can build mobility um, although she you can hear her discuss her thoughts around that uh, phrase throughout this episode so yeah not much else to say Enjoy the episode. 
Um, let me know what you think. Please like it, share it, comment, uh, subscribe, all of that jazz that you would normally do to help someone spread their uh, podcast around. That would be amazing. Have a great day. Enjoy the episode and I shall see you all soon. things first good what are we with good afternoon hannah so i today have got the lovely hannah stewart with me who is a yoga teacher i'm going to let her go into everything right now about who she is and what she does um but good afternoon thanks good for afternoon. kindly joining me oh no thank you thank you for having me i'm honored good thanks very much <laughs> so fill us in tell us a bit about yourself what you do etc etc Okay, so it uh, starts off very boring. Um, I I started practicing yoga, I, I worked out 16 years ago um, after the birth of my eldest child. So um, that was my buy-in. Uh, very naive uh, at the beginning, didn't really have a teacher, sort of um, self-taught. DVDs, the day of the Classic. DVD, <laughs> the day of Rodney Yee on DVDs, that was my... <laughs> Uh, my sort of like initial uh, path into yoga and uh, about four or five years in I had sort of gone through a few different teachers that I didn't really connect with and then found my current teacher um, Stephen um, who you won't find on Instagram because he's far too humble for such things as that <laughs> keeps himself quite quiet um, and yeah spent quite a few years sort of studying um, yoga with him and he comes from, his mum was a student of Iyengar um, and she was a student of Iyengar for about uh, 20 years. So there's a sort of traditional element that I learned from, even though he didn't teach under the Iyengar name, which meant there was a little bit more freedom um, yeah. with what we learned. He was, uh, or is um, a lecturer in osteopathy and he's only a young guy, he's only in his 30s, he's um, a little bit older than me. So he has this incredible blend of traditional yogic base with um, very up-to-date anatomy teachings, which amazing. is amazing. Um, and he, I did my training with him 10-ish uh, years ago now, I suppose, um, and was very happy just, you know, teaching me odd few classes a week, didn't really have any grand plans to do anything more with it, um, things got a little bit busier over the years and then it was about ooh, three or four years ago that I suggested he brought back this teach training I think they only did four or five rounds of it so quite a lot of the local okay, teachers okay. are taught under this Victor foundation and um, he relocated to Wales and decided it wouldn't be a practical thing to sort of bring back this teach training so I trained with Emma Epton um, who is my uh, homie, I call her my, <laughs> my, life, my, uh, my, my business partner. Um, and we decided that actually let's rewrite the 200-hour training completely um, into something that we believed in. And so that's when Yoga Reloaded was born. Lovely. That's, that's what I've just come to. Hello. In. <laughs> um, nice. Um, so with that i mean that kind of it sounds like we probably started similar times i was about 15 16 years ago as well now i think um i did my i was trained what now seven years just over seven seven and a half years now it's been for me um but yeah kind of i guess similar-ish journeys although i've never had a i've literally never had a teacher like ever like apart from apendra who's my meditation teacher in india who i still stay in touch with never had a teacher so it's kind of just lagging it as I go along and just trying to figure figure out stuff um so obviously with that yoga reloaded which um I can't even remember how I probably found you on Instagram in all fairness um maybe a hashtag yoga wanker or something potentially something along those lines um but you and I have definitely got a very similar like path that we've treaded uh, treaded trod whatever the correct yeah. thing for that would be in English. Um, and that's kind of trying to, I guess, bring a greater understanding of the human anatomy into the more traditional realm, I think, because I think it can be 
fairly understated that some of what even Iyengar and stuff said was pretty pretty out there as to what actually functions for people um, yeah. on a day-to-day basis or even just a person-to-person basis um but you've in your training i know i know i'm you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think have you done some of the like the um i forgot what it's called like the kin stretch or something like that have I've you done, done yeah i've, I've done well? the um frc and the frc, FRC that's, that's um right. which you know did really open my eyes to you know another perspective on mm-hmm. everything and um it, it was funny because it was i'd almost come to these conclusions myself from yeah. just years of my own practice of you know why why does this feel like shit in my body why are we forcing these things and so maybe quite quite early on in my practice i realized that you know oh, if i you know contract my muscles it feels much better than if I try and relax them I don't seem to get injured as much and you know forcing stretches and things like that and I sort of like naturally found my way into the eccentric training and then sort of to go and do something like FRC um, made me go oh this is why I do that now I understand why this is good for my body just briefly sorry for anyone who's listening who has no idea can you just explain what FRC is just yeah it's um so it's functional range conditioning or it's functional range systems. And um, it's a, I think they describe it as a, a mobility training um, or a joint mobility training um, where you, you sort of understand what is needed to increase uh, range of motion um, and capacity in the joints safely. And there's branches that come off of it such as kin stretch, which I think is really gaining momentum now as yeah, a, I, all of this stuff kind of goes over my head a little bit because I, yeah. I see kind of FRC and kin stretch. I literally don't know what end, like, you know, for myself kind of, mm-hmm. there's obviously, obviously all from this, you've kind of got cars and what are the other yeah. things they call them, uh, rails and pails and whatever. Uh, again, this stuff has always just kind of gone over my head because I think I've already always just done it. Just done it. Yeah. And, without and it's like, realizing there's a name for it, if that makes sense. If I, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I do, I do say what I think. So this might come out wrong. I, I think that, you know, FRC is a brilliant system. It's, you know, packaged incredibly. You could go and do the training and you would come away from it an incredibly knowledgeable, mm-hmm. you know, teacher. Um, but um, sort of having been through that rabbit hole now and coming out the other side of this, it's, um, like Iyengar yoga, like all of these things, it's a very well packaged, you know, marketing system, which um, doesn't, you know, even though I I can't disagree with anything that's taught on there, it's very factual. um, It's backed by lots and lots of um, scientific studies and things like that. So you can't really argue with the content that's taught. But um, something that didn't sit well with me was the term mobility you know that the mobility is the biggest buzzword out there at the moment oh, so big mobility practice and um and then you kind of like when you delve deeper into that you realize that the term mobility doesn't mean that it doesn't mean active range of motion so we we sort of come full cycle to stretching once again being vilified yeah. as it has been you know for, for years and years now and really all of these things that you talk about from kin stretch and um frc the pals and rails and everything is basically um it's active stretching yeah or um you know static active stretching yeah. so it's it's glamorized um, just, a, and, just a new coat of paint on something yeah, yeah. Just, a, just a new coat of paint on something so it's um it, like i said it's a brilliant perspective it's a it's, it's a really cool uh, place to go into but again it's half of a, a complete I idea. Yeah. yeah I think for me this is kind of where I kind of where I struggle with a lot of these things and I kind of I I touch my toes in most of these and never actually well I say I, I do tend to go and do some kind of training in something and then I kind of go ah, yeah it's kind of all right and there's yeah. stuff I can take from it but actually it again from my perspective as a bigger picture it's like one tiny little part of a much bigger picture which is i think from what i see of what you do (laughs) do do um it's kind of that thing of constantly trying to build out a bigger picture to give them uh, you know that the word holistic approach whatever is you know another buzzword but it is that kind of more holistic like how can we move and breathe and 
activate and whatever so everything in a way which actually isn't just breaking things down into a single spot as such which is what yeah. I guess for me has always been especially the work I do with Gary has been you know Gary's all about um big everything well not not everything is actually really small but like a whole body movement rather than it being like let's just isolate a single joint as such I mean there is aspects of it but it's how can we put it into like a much more holistic whole body thing so nice so from there excuse me the obviously <laughs> good thanks <laughs> um so what other elements have you found that you've ended up bringing into your uh, your teacher trainings and whatever else then sort of obviously I know you, you you're just re you're doing another one you're doing another teacher training soon aren't you yeah well what we um we do a yearly 200 hour um right. this is only the second year and, right. and our teacher training came from our teacher immersion program which was <laughs> this is this is going to open up a, another area of conversation there you know we've uh, studied lots of things over many years for a long time and it's disturbing to see how little information the 200 hour training gives you um i think a lot of what they teach you is a complete waste of time um being able to name and define every bone and muscle in the body doesn't doesn't give color you an understanding of how things color it in yeah exactly color it in and then and and, and like you know i've been teaching and i forget the names of muscles and bones and things because it, it doesn't correlate to how well someone can move yeah. um so we we designed the immersion program we were like okay let's take already teaching teachers and just give their teaching a little bit of an update let's um you know talk about modern uh, anatomy yeah and modern movement and what we understand now and it's it's it changes all the time this immersion like we keep adding stuff into it this uh, new one that we're doing is quite heavily focused on breath um rather than you know too much on the on the physical body so it, it the 200 hour became a natural progression from this immersion program we were like okay if we've done a sort of 30 or 40 hour immersion let's do a 200 hour teacher training from this and let's um go you know go from the beginning so um i suppose it's it is based around how individual parts of the body move so like you say it's you know, I, I don't believe in, you know, just moving one joint. But if you understand how a joint moves in isolation, you can apply that to the entire rest of the body. So when you take whatever asana you're looking at, yeah. you're going to be like, well, obviously, if your hip can't do that, then it's going to compensate higher up the chain or lower down the chain or whatever. So we're just yeah. like, rather than you being able to instruct a perfect Bajrasana two or whatever. What's the point if you don't understand what the hips are meant to do or what your yes. ankles are meant to do? And you know, so it's, it's based around that. So we don't actually have in our teacher training. We don't have a um, in any postures in the manual at all. Right. They build their own. So okay, cool. we like to say to them, like you are going to take your um, build your own manual that you can use photographs, you can use stick men drawing, whatever it is. So that you can break down and understand these poses and what they ask out of your body. So you take, you get them to like take a pose and then break it down so they understand what the yeah. hips and the shoulders and whatever else might be doing for that yeah. pose and they actually get to, nice. And have it as a, like an as ongoing a... thing. You know, you do, it might not be finished by the end of training or you might go back and add things. Um, I was going to say, it's probably one of those things of really, you could, I mean, there's just so many thousands of variations of poses and stuff, do you know what I mean? So, you can, yeah. And always go a, back and go well we'll take that warrior three variation of that and exactly. oh yeah that's actually that hip and knee is doing something completely different to exactly. that variation and that's, and that's the thing you, you read one book and it will tell you this is how a warrior three lets you read another book and it's just like okay I'm, um i remember doing the right the, no i remember doing a training with i can't remember who it was now i think it was with carling and patrick beach at some point and like carling was talking about how um she, when years ago she'd done a training with one of Iyengar's main students or something like that I might be making that up but this is it was something like that and she was basically saying how like on yoga you know the the positions where he said this is the optimal position was the optimal position when he felt a essentially a release of energy if you like he felt like a ping and that was yep perfect that's 
that's where you have to get to to get this and yeah. you know not really considering the fact that um you know again what he feels in his body is going to be very different to what somebody else feels in theirs and what their body's even capable of achieving i guess and i've, I've read something somewhere many years ago that was you know he, he he created a manual for the westerner he created um a thing um that you know all of his teachers would take this ideal this 90 degree knee bend and all of these yeah. things that were taken as gospel for years because it it was the safest thing at the time to do um yeah. for the western body but you know you like we, we are our bodies are shit you know compared to an eastern body so yeah. you know that they're, they're already pretty unbound from their habits and we basically i think this is what yoga is becoming today is perhaps you know you you unpick the history of yoga and how it's like unraveled over the years and and now we're at a position now where we need to prepare bodies for asana yeah. whereas asana used to be the prep for you know the Meditation. Other yeah 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 no that's yeah that's really true um it yeah. is yeah there is a real um yeah i don't know i've just come from teaching the footballers today and um <laughs> you, do you know what i mean I, I don't do a lot of yoga with them now it's more kind of the movement therapy stuff but it is um it's kind of fairly shocking the the ranges of motion that they have especially for for athletes to be able to kind of um have a do you mean if you put them into a yoga class they would not be in a in a good place to be accessing majority of what you know should be a fairly big beginner's safe-ish pose but um so when you so you did your training obviously in the uk then mm. and did and your obviously your training was with your still current kind of teacher so yeah. do you you felt your training was a a good grounding of it's it's really hard or do you look back on it now and think maybe it, it wasn't so as such? I, I think there was um i'm probably the only yoga teacher um that has never been to india you know or, or done any of that and in, in a way i'm quite proud of that <laughs> Just, <laughs> you know i i'm a western yoga teacher i teach westerners um, yep. So um, obviously Stephen's mum was trained by Oenga and um, Stephen's teacher himself, um, he's from India, um, from Kerala, and he used okay. to go out there yearly to study with him. And so I think some uh, the elements of that tradition kind of like bled into his teaching, which was, yep. you know, very much the practice and what is coming thing, very much the whole just, you know, go. And, and so you, I could sort of see at times he was conflicted by what he understood and what he was teaching in osteopathy versus what um, was traditional, you know? Yes. And, and so, yes, it was a relatively good basis at the time, um, but it still took me years and years to unlearn, unpick, and, yeah. you know, get to a point where I felt like what I was teaching was useful. Yeah. But at the time, you know, like 15, 16 years ago, um, it wasn't very many yoga teachers. I was going to say it was a completely different kind of different world, really, wasn't it? I mean, I say, you know, it wasn't. I remember being in certainly in Suffolk, even when I did my training, which was nearly eight years ago now. So. Yeah, so it took you a few years to unpick it. Did you ever in that time kind of practice any of the other kind of traditions, if you like? Did you ever do like an Ashtanga practice or? Oh, I was, I went through all of them. Did you? Yeah, I, like, I think, I think, you know, you uh, less so nowadays, maybe. Um, I went to Facebook, a little bit lost. Where yeah. I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't really know what I want to do. I know that the Iyengar thing didn't really work for me. Um, I sort of had this. Of, you know, ego is always an issue, isn't it? Um, and, you know, I had a very big ego um, at the time because I, I'm relatively naturally strong and not yeah. flexible. So stuff like arm balances, I found easy. So I was like, yeah. I'm going to be the teacher that teaches the arm balances. And it was very much about what I could do and not what I could teach people or, or yeah. what, sorry, what I could teach people, but not really what they needed. Yeah. And like that, that was a bit of a harsh sort of uh, reality that, it means fuck all your own practice means fuck all <laughs> and um, yeah totally really you have that realization that you, you know your, your job your job is to serve people your job is to help people and um yeah that took me that took me a couple of years to actually really work that out i remember coming back from india and like i'm the same do you know what i mean i'm naturally like 
physically like strong like body weight wise i can throw myself around and do all the jazzies pop my head handstands bloody hands and still can't do them but i can do and i was a bit like oh, i can't wait to come home we're gonna be doing this and this and this and then i came home to suffolk where you know it's not london <laughs> do you know what i mean where everyone's you know either middle-aged women or you know they're guys and you know they haven't moved for 30 years essentially and you kind of go okay this is what i wanted what i was hoping you know it's going to be the big sexy instagram you know perfect and then you come home and you kind of go actually we're just gonna um we're gonna work towards like trying to make child's pose feel comfortable (laughs) do you know what i mean and it's kind of like and you kind of go ah right actually kind of that thing that is sold to you of being a yoga teacher or that I don't think that's maybe a bit unfair I think the thing that um people see on Instagram and think I want to be a yoga teacher because that looks sexy and that looks amazing and I can do all that and then you kind of get into it and it's not that at all um and that was yeah that was definitely me I think for that too um so yeah so you kind of say you went through them all and kind of tried to find your ego to so what would you now say is your kind of kind of practice it's really unsexy now i think that's yeah. you know, <laughs> if any of you i'm going to obviously put in the uh the show notes for this to yeah. um obviously all of hannah's um instagram and whatever else i love it because Hannah does kind of similar to me where the the main photo that she'll put on for her, like come do my class, you know, come join my class or something like that is just the most unattractive one. Well, maybe that's a bit harsh on you, but you know, it's oh, the yeah, most no, unflattering. Let's go unflattering. Yeah. yeah it's like, un- yeah, me too. All of my, like, all of my breeding ones are where I'm kind of doing this. And yeah. then I just like <laughs> snapshot. That'll do. Yeah. Um, I, was th- I think that's definitely, I want to take the glamour out of yoga. That's my yeah. um, mission on Instagram is to, to just get rid of that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I, I came across Yoga Detour a few years ago and that really. I wanted to ask you about me. that. Yeah. Yoga Detour as, as a practice really excited me. And Cecily has been through everything like that we've sort of gone through and, um, she definitely falls in the category of being much more flexible than I ever naturally was. So she, yeah. sort of, um, she went through Ashtanga, had this ridiculously obsessive Ashtanga practice, you know, drank the Kool-Aid for years. And then, and then you sort of go, well, this starts to feel like shit in my body. You know, you're pushing into these back bends that don't do anything. And, um, you know, the, the whole problem, I think, being is that yoga teachers aren't taught movement. They're taught yoga. Yeah. They're taught yeah. how to teach asana and it's got nothing to do with movement. And so, you know, she detoured completely and, and sort of went, uh, went and learned from lots of other different, you know, modalities and uh, combined, you know, combined everything and created this incredible resource for yoga teachers um, of the detour method, which is, you know, it's based on um, strength and conditioning stuff. It's based mm-hmm. on mobility. Again, still have an issue with that word. Um, but you know that that sort of thing of just you know stripping it back a little bit, um, and 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 you you know, I think quite often the way I teach is it will look really like nothing. It looks so unspectacular, but it will be the most excruciating um, yep. you know thing, thing that you're doing because you're actually waking stuff up and you're actually working stuff properly. Um, but I, I sort of I struggle to. Um, define things too much because when you like a bit like yourself when when you focus on one path too much or one style it it becomes quite limiting Mm -hmm. so like you know like sometimes sometimes it'll be a a, a nidra that I teach sometimes it'll be you know a a deep stretching practice well you know and other times it'll be the active range of motion stuff so is that for the same for your self-practice as well do you find yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Although I would say naturally I'm much harsher on myself with my own practice, you know. Um, I have limited time to practice pathetic excuses, isn't it, but I'm going to use it. Um, so so I, would say, I would say that I am, you know, gen- generally I'm, I'm uh, quite regimented in what I do yeah. in my physical practice. But like you say, you've got, you know, meditative practices that yeah. are very different and restorative practices that are very different, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, 
would say so i mean at the moment i've kind of i've just found that like my the practice for my brain to i.e like try to find a you know if we kind of take yoga back to the asana back to what it should be i guess if you like i.e a place to set you up for meditation set you up for pranayama set you up for you know my 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 movement practice asana practice is not an asana practice at the moment like i don't use my mat essentially at the moment i haven't i you know i haven't i haven't used a linear mat for probably like the last three or four months i you know it's kind of just it's an exploration across the floor and it's kind of you know bringing in elements of floor work and things like that as well but it's the same exploration of the body through a a greater three-dimensional space i guess which is for me has is quite a nice thing but i know i'll be bored of that soon as well and i definitely have this thing you know i i'm sure i I definitely couldn't be an ashtangi i try you know i did my training in ashtanga and um you know you talked about how sicily kind of broke herself type thing you know i did i've been practicing ashtanga for i don't know a year and a half two years maybe ish on and on and i don't say practicing i mean like twice a week or something sort of self-practice and then i went to do my training and it was suddenly four weeks of daily two-hour ashtanga practice and my knees felt like they were going to explode my hamstrings felt by week three my hamstrings just felt raw and i and i you know i actually you know said can we do some fucking yin please can we do something like outside of some ashtanga and they were like no we were an ashtanga school type thing Mm. and i was like but you know when i qualified i then became like one of the free students essentially the free teachers who they kind of got to teach dropping classes so i said they were well if you want to do because i kept banging on if you want to do it just do it yeah you you do it then so i did it and we had the biggest classes dropping classes they've ever had i did three of them and we had over 45 people for all three of them um and it was just like and to me it just that to me was just this thing of we need to slow down do you know what i mean people actually it's all very well doing an ashtanga practice where you get to look sexy and do like forearm balances or back bends and stuff but actually i I think that's the last thing as a society certainly in the west because let's face it everyone at that school and in that in girl was all (laughs) western anyway um and yeah i think trying to step back and get people to slow down is kind of what's more important um which I guess if we go back to your current training with that thought, you know, you were just saying, or your immersion that you're just kind of about to restart, you know, you, you said there's a lot more kind of breath work and stuff in it now. Um, so what's been kind of the um, influences, if you like, or what, where are you kind of directing that side of things and what's brought you to, to that place to think actually this time we need to focus more on that. I think it's just it's it's a natural progression um i you know it's like when you you get shiny shiny object syndrome don't you when you're when you're teaching and yeah <laughs> so um yes. you know flp was very shiny object um for for both myself and emma emma actually is is a kin stretch instructor she's amazing and she does mm-hmm. a brilliant job there but you know like we we had a conversation um sort of um a, a year or a year and a half ago where we were just like actually we're neglecting yoga now we've sort of like we're missing the point and you know we we came to because we love it and um you know and interesting like what you said about the ashtanga practice um just a moment ago is like you wouldn't do the same thing six days a week normally would you like you wouldn't i definitely wouldn't no i mean like some people maybe would i wouldn't run six days a week i wouldn't squat six days a week i wouldn't wait so so why are we doing an ashtanga practice six days a week and why do we become so obsessive about this sort of like need to constantly push and push and push and push. That's not what we need in our bodies. No. It's not what we need in our minds. Um, so, um, yeah, we sort of like, so pranayama, I have never professed to teach it because I believe it's such a massive, massive, massive subject. And I think that you need to be incredibly well practiced and incredibly knowledgeable in that. And I, as a 
now I don't know many true cranium teachers. Mm -hmm. I know people that profess to be after their 200 hours because they've learned a bit of, you know, alternate nostril breathing. Yeah, Yeah, they're cranium experts now. Um, Or they've, you know, they can do the best Darth Vader Ujjayi breath going. So they're cranium experts. So it's like, I'm not confident enough to call myself that because it's such a powerful and phenomenal practice. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to put myself out there as that. So, um, you know, I, th- I think the whole COVID thing was a real eye-opener to, to the importance of good breathing. And I believe that everyone now has read the, the James Nestor book. And, you know, yep. that was, that, I think that was a real breakthrough for a lot of people. But um, I'm, I'm, picking, I'm picking my way through the Oxygen Advantage training. It's something that I'm taking my time with to do mm-hmm. it. Um, Emma's done it. Um, and so we were like, I think breath needs to be spoken about. Yeah. Um, because dis- dysfunctional breathing affects every system of the body. So why are you trying to fix the, you know, skeletal system or the, you know, musculoskeletal system when you're not addressing the primal root of everything, Absolutely. which is, is, is the breath. So, um, yeah, it, it sort of has, has come from that. And I think um, if you're a yoga teacher and you're, you're sometimes made to believe that you should be teaching pranayama because your 200 hour taught you five different types of pranayama. So then yeah. you bung these into every lesson, but it's like, actually there's, you know, just, just being confident in being able to lead diaphragmatic breath is yeah. probably just such an important foundation to have. Definitely. And I, I think mean, that's so I know actually... you're really experienced with this stuff because you uh... I mean, yeah, this is my, this is my kind of, I guess my geeky, what the bit I, you know, the last three or four years has been my deep dive into. And again, I, I, I do not profess to be a pranayama teacher by any means because I don't. Now, let's be let's careful how I say this. I, I have no problem with hyperventilation practices. I even do a little bit of it myself. But the last thing I think despite despite what james nester says and he says you know um i don't see that um hyperventilation practice excuse me my chair over the rug um i don't see that hyperventilation practices are where the majority of people should be going right now you know and at the and my issue if you like with wim hof is he's again a bit like ashtanga a bit like whatever it's big and sexy and it's really like great for instagram because you can jump in ice and you can do these strong practices now i've probably said on some of the other podcasts i've done i'm not sure but like i've got people coming to me for breath work who've done strong hyperventilation practices who are now basically having problems because of it and and, yeah and 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 there's nothing wrong and it's much like you said at the beginning we're now having to prep people for prana for for asana we're trying to have to prep people's bodies to do the asana which was the prep for the pranayama for the and the problem is people in my view are jumping into big sexy practices i.e and doing it for half an hour and then they're lying down and they're doing big breath holds and, you know, I had a, a chat, let's say, a disagreement, whatever, with someone on Instagram about he was just saying how, you know, he's he's held his breath for like three minutes with um, Wim Hof's breathing and whatever else with hyperventilation. And that's not what people need. Like we're in such a highly strung society that actually, from my perspective, and, you know, this is where my teaching comes in, like for my, if my breath work I do every week it's let's slow things down and let we're, we're literally going to go like you said let's comfortably teach someone to diaphragmatically breathe yeah. and you know when i came back from india and did my you know and i i've never really been into hyperventilation practices i just i don't get it it doesn't really sit with me that great um but you know i was definitely like oh i love doing like all these different breathing techniques and the more i've the more I've studied and practiced in myself, the more I've realized that everyone needs to just do the basics better, i.e. breathe. Like. And, and, you know, like people have lost the ability to self-soothe as well. You know, down regulation is, 
you have to know how to do it with your breath to, to benefit the system. And yeah, and it's I mean, so vital. And it's so I don't know simple. You, it is so simple. I mean, I don't know if you've, um, uh, if you follow, and again, I've probably said I'll put it on the most of, bottom of most of these podcasts, but there's um, uh, a page called HH. Uh, human health performance hhpf um on instagram health and human performance foundation um and they just posted a a thing this yesterday um and the title of it which just really struck like was anxiety is in your body not your mind Mm. um and it was a kind of a bit of a a paper write-ups about that and this is where i'm kind of taking a lot of my work these days is trying to get people to realize that a lot of these kind of anxieties and depressions and whatever else are driven through stress and actually are the only the best tool we have is breath like because it's the only real tool we have over our autonomic nervous system um and so it's trying to you know pull that in and actually for the people who want to do asana if you learn to relax god that shit gets easier do you know what I mean <laughs> like... <laughs> exactly I think people expect it to be harder work and I think that's the problem I think if people have suffered you know um, anxiety or depression for years and years that they, they, they think it's unfixable through something as simple as breath and you know they're, they're like but I need this and I need this and I need this and I need all these other things and society sort of like made people believe that and you know when you actually do get people to just breathe properly you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's a magical cure for everything. And I know that there's many other factors, I mean, many I mean, mental health issues and stuff that can do this. But, but I, I think for the most part, if anxiety is a newer thing for you, then, you know, breathing. I think <laughs> we also have on that, we also have the thing of like, you suddenly have to take responsibility for, for yourself. And as you kind of said about self-soothing and, and whatever else, having the ability to, to know that, it's all on you. Do you know what I mean? And this is, again, one of the things I love about breath work is that what I love about Gary's kind of movement work is the fact that no one else can fix you. No. Do you know what I mean? I mean, for one, why would you want to be fixed? Because if you look that up, it means to be like essentially stuck in one position, like to be mm. fixed into one place, which sounds like a terrible idea. Um, but actually being able to breathe your way to, a better health and move your way to a better health can only ever happen through you having some discipline to to put it into practice and i think in our society that's a that's an issue mm. because again it's not the the magic pill do you know what i mean there's all those memes of like two one massive cue and one no cue like take the pill you know live a do some more breath breath work and no one's in the breath work queue um yeah. so um yeah so nice so that's obviously what you're bringing into your current um, thoughts of immersion. Yeah. Where do you reckon you'll go next then? I have no idea. <laughs> and that's, and that's like, it, it's so nice to work with Emma because she's very much like this as well. We're, yeah. we're very like, we'll do one when we're ready to do one. We, yes. we don't have a, a business plan as such where we're like, we'll have X amount a year. We'll concentrate on this and this. And it's sort of like, it really does come from an authentic place of, mm-hmm. okay, so we'll, we'll look at like the outline that we've had from the last immersion and we'll go, okay, let's swap that out. Let's take that out. I think this is more important. This needs more focus and stuff. So even though obviously we do cover some physical stuff and yes. useful tools for teaching, um, I, I think, you know, we, we've actually, as well as the breath, we've started to bring down or bring into it, you know, more of a breakdown of, you know, asana. For, for teachers who are very much told you know that that is how you do a warrior too and you know um last the last one we, we just focused on alternative pelvic position yes you know it's like let, let's shift it around why <laughs> why does it have to be like this you know what are the alternatives and it's just is opening new thought pathways for people rather than giving any sort of regimented absolutely yes yeah. i mean i've definitely had people contact well i've had people say to me i'd you should do a training blah, blah. And my problem would be like again it'd probably be end up being very much like yours i think um but you know i would i could i'd struggle to do a 200 hour i'd be like right you're in for like 
you're in for a year, mate. You're like, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna just break stuff down. You're gonna try and we teach with me. You, you, you know, is... <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we, we were exactly the same. It, it almost became like a little bit of a challenge to do the 200 hour. It almost seemed like so impossible that we were like, let's do it. And even though the, the, the time spent with us is 200 hours, people who've done it have said it's more like the content of the 500 hour because we open up so many pathways and things and you know we'll, we'll we'll add on like you've got to listen to that podcast you've got to research that and look at that and look at that and um you know it's not part of the training but we think we think you need a, a year to digest it you yes. think you need a year to become a teacher in fact you need more and we're, we're really snobby we we're like if you've only practiced yoga two years you're not coming on our course you know we want you to have had time getting to know the practice um more to the point that you need over two years for your body to actually adapt to a practice you know this yeah. is why you'd want to teach something that is new to your body i don't know um i, I understand people is... fall in love with it i yeah. get that yeah. you know and they're like this is what i want to do but i'm like make it yours then make it yours for that five or so years you know do it for and, you. And, and if you still love it in five or so years do you then mean, go like... teach yeah. There is, you know, I would say there's been, um, there's, there was definitely an explosion of teachers around where I am. And then it was kind of like all these people who just suddenly came out. Oh, I love yoga. I love it. I'm going to go and do my, my training and they come home and I'm going to teach. And then they all begin to disappear again. Yeah. And then, you know, it's kind of, there's the, you know, me and my wife are still here. Um, my friend Meg is still here. Um, you know, Lizzie, you know, there's, there's a handful who are, we're still here kind of teaching, but, you know, we've kind of, we're the ones who maybe made it look really appealing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and then actually you kind of, you, people kind of think that would be amazing. And then you kind of go to do your yoga training and you think, oh my God, I can't wait. And then you suddenly realize you have to teach 35 hours of classes a week to break even. And you have to, you know, drive 15 hours a week just to get to all your places and you're kind of exhausted and you know but you have to then show up and paint a smile you've got to, and, you've got to absolutely love it you do and that's it's and literally got to be the thing you yeah. love to do and we didn't we didn't want to become like a I, I i we struggle with it we still struggle with the fact that we run a 200 hour like it yeah. still makes me go why are we churning out more yoga teachers yeah. when the last thing that the world needs is is more yoga teachers particularly 200 hour teachers you know there's so but, many of them there but but <laughs> what the world does need is more yoga teachers who actually know something yes and that's that's why we stuck at it and and we're we're what we call geographically sensitive so we will take in applicants from a, a whole you know range of areas rather than very concentrated areas because right um, you know there was there was a 200 hour that was run very locally to me and they had 30 people in the town signed up and I'm like that's just to me <laughs> that's just greed you know you, you're going to churn out these 30 teachers locally what does that do to, to the existing teachers what does that do to, so we um we'll only take two from the same area right. at a time, nice. um, which I'm I feel better doing that because yeah. I think that's so yeah we've got i mean we've got at the moment we've got something wiltshire we've got one from london we've got and know, is it all Hanbei. online no um we've had to do it online so far so um we're doing a hybrid <laughs> um may is the first month that we can have people in the room as well so i've had to become a bit tech savvy and yeah. oh. um so we'll be we'll be we, we've said you know who, whoever's happy to be in the room um, as education, we're committed to be in the room from May. Um, yeah. If you want to learn at home, we'll, we'll film it. You know, they'll be online. But I think a lot of people are quite keen to come into in-person stuff. But, cool. Um, I didn't want to get it stuck into doing the whole thing online. It was for the no. immersion. Yeah. That's cool. You know, if you can't make it live, you can catch up on the recordings. But I think there's a, there's a magic of being in the room. And there's yeah. stuff that you can't see when you're online and there's nuances and, you know, being able to just walk around a body is, is really important. And actually, well. again, see things in 3D of like quite how a thigh is rotating exactly. in the hip socket and what the big and little toe knuckles are doing and all sorts exactly. of things like Rather that. Rather than just having a skeleton in the middle of the room. But, you know, you yeah, just, absolutely. Not, um, not how it works. Have you... I think you have. Certainly, obviously, there's there's definitely this, this current, um, more modern... I can't remember what he Justin calls it, but like Justin Wolfer and his movement mapping. Um, I can't remember modern 
day teachers or modern training and you know there's a whole bunch of people now there's obviously like the yoga detour and the movement mapping mm. obviously what you're doing who are kind of driving the side of things have you kind of had much to do with justin and like the movement mapping side of things uh, yeah i did i did this movement mapping course i came and did one in kent i'm i i really like what justin does i think like he comes from such an overused word this he comes from an authentic place doesn't yeah, he yeah. Like he's, um, he's he's intelligent and he you can tell he's he's really thought about what he wants to do and what he wants to share and you know like, I, I, like movement mapping is really clever I think it's really strong like yeah. I, I think it is uh for someone who's a little <laughs> bit more geared toward the ashtanga side of things it's definitely you know, a strong it, practice. Like it's a really strong practice, you know. Yeah. And it, um, I did the training, and I don't teach a full movement mapping um, class. I think it's yeah. for my personal students. But like yeah. you say, like I, I want to give them longevity and stuff rather than yes, the, the, the fancy flow. But um, yeah, I, it's, it is a good training to do because I I was going to do the training um, and then covid hit and everything and i just never got around to do it in person and i signed up and i've got it online i still haven't like done it. i've done i've worked through his practices like numerous yeah. times um and i do really like them i love the scorpion flow of the like mm. but i mean do you know what I mean that as you say that's a tough it's tough flow it's a but tough I think physical if you, practice if you come but... from that ashtanga element you know that background it's a it's a really good sort of like place yeah. to go into that because there's different practices and they're still very strong and very fluid and yeah you, you know you get a sweat on them you feel like you've done that so um, yeah yeah I think, yeah um, it is nice I think that's you know between I mean I, I'll be honest like so my one of my friends um has done the yoga detour hmm. training I think yeah and you know she she's loved it and whatever else and I, I've never I've I still haven't really dived into it at all yeah um and it's something i probably will look at at some point but um yeah i'm kind of i guess fluffing my way through trying to do i guess something of my own of the similar variety and trying to yeah. put almost like gary ward's anatomy in motion which isn't really a yoga practice in any way i mean it's gate based but trying to mm -hmm. work the two of these to kind of sort of align in some way so things work a bit better for you know, the yoga actually works off the mats. When you walk away from a yoga practice, you've kind of got some of those elements in too. Um, so we probably, you know, we've kind of got 10 ish minutes or so before we finish, but I've, I can't, we can't not kind of just talk a little bit more about as we've kind of briefly touched on the, the Instagram world and of yoga and um, you know, your, what was your, what's your favorite hashtag then? What's the one that you tend to use? Yoga twat yoga twat cool yeah. um and, and and what's this to to show what do you what do you tend to hashtag yoga twat for oh just every time i fall over make a face or do something normal you know yeah. like um, <laughs> look like a normal human not a contortionist or a gymnast or an ex-dancer you know like yeah i tend to go for the opposite so i'm obviously on mine is hashtag yoga wanker um it's and i tend to use it when i am doing something which is normally done by a contortionist yeah. ex-dancer type thing and it's really funny I don't know I don't know how your brain works around this stuff but for me I really really struggle to post things like that these days so I posted a, a back bend. like I by the way I don't ever practice back bends apart from like you know maybe a bridge or like you know some locust or just something you know back strengthening type work but I don't do back bends ever and I, I did a drop back the other day first time like three yeah, years <laughs> and I felt like I mean it looked horrendous but like I just I was a bit like oh just I, I I have this real aversion to posting stuff like that because I just feel like the people who tend to do it um and they always like to say I was never a dancer oh, I was yeah. never a dancer um but yeah and then obviously the other one is um whenever it snows I just get out of my pants and I try to emulate like the the beautiful people in the sunsets. Um, and I don't know. I, I mean, I, I've definitely at times become disillusioned with what yoga is, yeah. I think. And it's but it's hard because actually yoga's cool. Do you know what I mean? Yoga's fine. I remember, I don't know if you ever listened to Jay Brown and his podcasts mm -hmm. or not, but he always says yoga's, yoga will be fine. Like yoga's not going anywhere. Like it's just the current state of, social media where it drives it um and so yeah it's kind of where i remember you posting something like or when i've 
did yoga wanker and you were just like ha, mine's yoga twat and i was like oh, we've clearly got this in like <laughs> we're, we're i don't know opposite sides of the country or different sides of the country but we're def- both just somehow managed to come along the same path at the same time yeah. like it's um it's it, yeah, it, it does like it frustrates me um that I, I feel exactly the same i'm like oh god i'm gonna put up this sexy move now i'm gonna put up this thing because i know that it will get a reaction i know yeah. that people will be impressed which yeah. is kind of like so it makes me cringe to do it but you kind of like occasionally have to sometimes to remind people that actually i can do that shit yeah um, but it's not what yoga's about and then you've got this like yeah your own ego battle and everything else but i think there's almost like an expectation that people want to see it so i so we'll, we'll try and do it in my most unattractive outfit with you know <laughs> a bit of muffin pop hanging out or or just you know something that is just like it's harder because i mean i don't know if you've felt the same or not but i mean i have and i'm I'm going to hands up. I try to always do it as tongue in cheek as possible, but like done like a bum shot or something like that. Um, but I, but I, aren't, but, and I, and I always kind of do it with like some made up roomy quote or something like that, or I put hashtag roomy quote or whatever, because that's always what people tend to like to do. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, to me, it feels like there's this constant drive in social media and in yoga to be, like sexier and sexier and 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 it, it kind of grinds with me because for me that's not what yoga is do you know what I mean it's the that introspective side which is obviously I mean I'm sure they would tell you that's exactly what their practice is as well it's just social media is like the place where they, <laughs> yeah. they get their followings and whatever else but it is it's a tricky one but the, but the thing is, is like by by putting up that stuff, which is you know fine, and I, people do whatever they want to do, and I'm not going to judge them for that. But if you've got your, you know, um, sexiest little outfit on in this beautiful setting, that's going to pull in the people that think that it is that, exactly. and they're going to be drawn to that. They're going to go and do the 200 hour teach trainings after practicing for six months, and they're going to continue to spread that message. And um, yeah. and they're the ones that again generalizing but it's true are going to be hurting people and delivering the you know <laughs> limited information because yeah. they don't have the practice um to, to back it up yeah um, yeah so i think sometimes it does just need calling out yeah i mean that's the thing i think it's just quite sometimes quite fun to call it call, talking about calling out and again going back to uh, i meant to bring it up earlier and i compl- i've written it down and forgot to come yeah. back to it but um you know going back to the some of the Instagram world and their how to do things. And, you know, if you want ankle mobility and I saw a video the other day from, uh, well, I'm going to say anyway, like Chelsea yoga. And it was all about how to get greater ankle dorsiflexion. And, you know, and you look, read through the comments, everyone's like, Oh my God, this is incredible. Blah, blah, blah. And I just, from my own perspective of having, spent too much money studying anatomy and uh, time and you know and i was just watching again that does nothing <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean if, you know you might you might get an ankle which dorsi flex is better i mean i don't think you would because of how she was doing it but like yeah. but you're kind of completely bypassing how that joint interacts with your foot and how your joint interacts with your knee and how that's going to affect everything and it's yeah, I've kind of, I want to do one of them, like, I've just seen the Instagram ripped off TikTok, so you can now do the, like, side-by-side screens, so. Oh, yeah, might, yeah, yeah, you should, you should, it does do take, this is the problem, when people who, you know, come into teaching, perhaps have never felt what it's like to have a limitation in their body, you know, they've, you know, or maybe they've not been dancers or whatever, but it's like, you've certainly not got any limitations in your body, yeah. certainly does things that normal people would just dream about doing so if you've never felt stiff or you've never had a joint issue or you've never injured yourself or anything then you, you can't you know can't teach that stuff anymore. yeah but yeah all those other things that are like oh if you've got tight hamstrings do this yeah <laughs> and like you know the deepest forward bend known to man just, <laughs> just, just drop it. into the splits you'll be fine yeah absolutely that'll fix your tight hamstrings so did you um I guess, you know, squeezing this at the end and, and I probably should have asked early, but with your, I guess, a nice place to round up kind of thinking about your practice and what you teach and have you, 
you said you came into yoga through childbirth essentially not through childbirth that's be weird but like yeah. have him having <laughs> from having birth a child you know that yeah. led you into probably I guess maybe some postnatal yoga and then or whatever but have you had like a, a history of injuries and whatever else that you're that you use to that you, you've ended up developing this practice and this school of thought that you and your uh, homie um, have developed because of your journey to try to move in less pain oh yeah no definitely I mean like I, I I wasn't a massively physical person you know before I did yoga I had the old like I mean I was only 22 when I started mm-hmm. so you know I had done the old bit of stuff when I was younger but no dance no gymnastics banned from dancing in public actually that's <laughs> one of the things that my husband says to me he's like please sit on the bar stool <laughs> no one needs to see that I do not dance in public <laughs> it's, it's, it's embarrassing and um, so I, I'm really open about you know I've had two kids and people have seen my journey sort of like I talk um, through my second pregnancy and you know my recovery from that I've talked through um you know I've had, had a hernia operation which I've talked through I've had various I'm very open about my injuries yeah. I'm very open about I tore my hamstring when I was drunk, doing drunk yoga, trying to put my leg behind my head, you know, and I, I'm quite open about all this stuff. So it's like, I think um, being quite normal and being, you know, naturally quite stiff and having gone on this journey and knowing when I pushed it too far and just being like, oh, you know, I, I think it, I can give people valuable lessons with their own bodies from this. Um, yeah. Because if you, you know, it, it's stupid to maintain that you're always in optimal, perfect health, you know, whether that's physical or mental health or whatever, it's, it's all about being as real as you can be, I think, because then people can connect with that. Absolutely. Use yeah, I mean, I definitely, I don't know if you, I get quite often people say, but how you can't be in, you can't have any problems, you can't have pain because you, you move like you do. And, you know, and it's you can do all the jazzy shit, but you can still have pain and whatever else. And do you know what I mean? I think for me, this, the reason probably my journey has been quite similar to yours has ended up being because like knee pain, yeah, foot pain, or like ankle problems from a big blowout, shoulders mm-hmm. just blown out from snowboarding, you know, loads of injuries and, and yoga has helped put me back together. But it's just that yoga practice has ended up developing into, you know, whether it be ranges of motion, whether it be, you know, anatomy in motion, whatever it might be, breath work, all of that stuff helped to try to put me back together from there. And I think that's what, you know, I think what probably Justin, what C- uh, Cecilia, 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 I was well wrong. Um, <laughs> what, and probably you guys, like, it's all about, let's like put you back together in a way that you can then be, comfortable in your body exactly and and i'll be quite open like the other week i am um, i ran too fast like I, I don't run i ran too fast we would um i was went to my friend's boot camp i was like i'll come and he did like a little sprint and i ran too fast and i felt my hamstring ping and yeah. i was like there you go nice little hamstring tendinopathy and so everyone got to watch me for the next four weeks having to totally adjust my teaching practice you know to be like oh yeah pissed off my hamstring I'm going to need to do this and I can't do that. You guys are going to have to do that. And it's just, yeah. like, it, it just makes it so normal because there's yeah. so much doom and gloom around with injury, isn't there? Where people are like, oh, I can't have my legs straight anymore for, a, you know, a little while. And it's like, so what? You're not actually going to lose flexibility. You're not going to do, you know, any long-term stuff to your body. You're going to work around this. Yeah. When it fixes when it heals. Then we start going, you know, people are, I think people are really scared about this stuff, but it's like, yeah, I've got, I've got my knee's horrible at the moment. I've got a really painful knee and I'll talk about it all the time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's the same with me. I always try and, you know, it's a case of, oh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the opposite. I'm suddenly feeling better. My right hip is suddenly, I've had a big shift in it. It's like, oh, I can sit cross-legged properly again. Yeah. That feels nice. Um, okay. But yeah, I think it's just good to to highlight those kind of, yeah, guess what? Just because we're yoga teachers, mm. we're still fucking human. Exactly. Um, and- getting older as well exactly yeah 37 in three weeks oh yeah oh 38 
the, w- the wife's nearly 40, so, you know, uh, we're all, um, all kicking on. I know. <laughs> if I anger could do that shit at 94 or whatever, we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, thank you so much for this. Um, before we do go, though, I just want you to, like, give us a quick um, shout to where people can find you, or, like, if there's anything you want to point them towards. Um by all means, just do so now because I'll put it all in the notes at the bottom. But yeah, just that's so cool. um, I think yeah, obviously we've got the yeah the immersion coming up, um, which you can find on yogareloaded.org. Um, so all the links are in there. So it's going to be over four days. It'll be online. It will be recorded, so you don't need to be there live. And if you're a yoga teacher who's a little bit curious about uh, coming away for or learning a bit more than you learned on your 200 hour, or just wanting to perhaps go down some different avenues to, um, yeah modernize your teaching your understanding then that's yeah that's what we've got coming up sweet and um if they want to find you on instagram just so they can get the same hashtags this is where everyone yeah i'm sure if they just search for like hashtag my my, my instagram name is so stupid um because it's not easy it's not like hannah stewart yoga well i'll um i'll (laughs) just say it and i'll just write it on there so they can find it h-a-n-k-a-t-b-a-r-l-e-s cool well i'll uh, i'll stick that in the notes so people can see it um and yeah wicked well thank you so much for waffling f- with me for an hour about just yoga and crap and um yeah hopefully once all this lockdown stuff's out of the way we can perhaps actually meet up in real life um so yeah thanks so much and uh take care of yourself see you soon see you soon